All right, well, we are going to continue our series, and we're in week two of a series we're calling The Why Behind the What. We are seeking abundant life in Christ. That means we want to be, we want to do, and we want to have everything that God has planned out for us. This abundant life in Christ is on the narrow road. Most people don't get that. You know, Jesus talked about there's the wide road where, you know, that leads to destruction and there's the narrow road that leads to life. And that's talking about everlasting life in, you know, in the paradise of God for eternity. It's also talking about life in this world, abundant life in Christ today. So we want to grab hold of this abundant life so that we can be strong in the Lord. And I believe that spiritual disciplines are the way to abundant life in Christ. Spiritual disciplines, just like physical disciplines are how you get to your physical peak, spiritual disciplines are how you get to a spiritual peak. So if spiritual disciplines are the way to abundant life, then why do so many Christians have trouble staying on track with spiritual disciplines? I mean, right? (laughs) Well, let me tell you, it's because people know what they're supposed to do, but they don't know why. They know they're supposed to pray. But they're not really sure it makes any difference anyway. So I know I'm supposed to, but I'll get around to it when I have time. And what that basically means is that they know the what, but they don't believe in the why. There's a thing to believe in to grab hold of the why. James 2.26 really brings this out. You can read that whole section of scripture, but we'll just read this one verse. James is, is talking about faith and deeds and the interaction between the two. And he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So these spiritual disciplines would be in the deeds category. Faith without deeds is dead. So here, James is saying that the thing that's dead is faith. The faith is dead. It's not saying you need to add a bunch of works to dead faith. You need to have faith so that you'll naturally do the things that we know we're supposed to. So if you have faith in prayer, if you believe that faith like a mustard seed will allow you to pray in such a way as to move mountains, and you know there's mountains that need moving, then if you believe that the mountain is going to move, then you're going to pray because you want that mountain to move. But if you think nothing's really going to happen anyway, then you're not going to pray. So the faith in the results and the impact of the spiritual disciplines is what we're trying to develop. And that's why we're doing our series called The Why Behind the What, which allows us to see in a little bit better depth why we're doing these things. Last week, we talked about prayer and fasting. And today, we talk about Sabbath rest. Have you ever set up a date night with your spouse? Set up a date night routine. It's good to have a routine of date night where you've got a consistent date night routine. Now, why is this? It's because when you're dating someone or you're engaged to someone, you do fun things with that person. And then when you get married, you do dishes. (laughs) And you do budgets. And you do the hassles of life together. And so you go from having a fun thing relationship with this person to a hassles of life relationship with this person. And that's a difficult jump to make. And so we have to keep doing fun things together or it's going to get really, really hard. So we set up date nights. 
and things along those lines to try to help the relationship go well. The basic concept of the Sabbath is God setting up a date night with his people, staying connected with his people, having time with his people, a regular set up relationship building, good experience with his people. That's God's plan with the Sabbath. Not legalistic adherence to a rule, but the desire to maintain a connection and a good relationship. So I've heard, people have told me this, that the Ten Commandments still apply today except for the fourth one about the Sabbath. That one doesn't count, so it should be the nine. Well, there's legalistic rules that were in place in Jesus' day that don't apply. But the concept, the why behind the what still applies. Now, in Jesus' day, they were super legalistic. And I've done a little bit of research on what the Sabbath was like in Jesus' day. And it was not a Sabbath rest. It was a Sabbath hassle. You know, it was, it was hard work on the Sabbath. And they had all these rules. You're always afraid you're going to do something wrong. Like, for example, uh, in Jesus' day, it was considered work to handwrite something out. To write stuff down was work. But what if you drug your foot as you were walking through the sand and it made an I? You know, a line, that's an I. That's, that's not just a letter, that's a whole word. Have you broken the Sabbath? Well, they had a meeting and they discussed what could happen. And so they, they said, well, you can write up to three letters per Sabbath as long as it doesn't make a word. If those letters make a word, you've broken the Sabbath. And they had all these rules. It was a super huge hassle. And some people have carried the hassle concept of Sabbath into the New Testament era. And we don't want religious hassle. We want the good thing from God that he was intending with this Sabbath. So let's read the fourth commandment from Exodus chapter 20. And let's try to get to the why behind the what. So that we can truly grab hold of this today in the New Testament era. And receive the good things that are part of the plan of God. Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. So nobody gets to work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is a holy day set aside for the Lord and set aside for rest. When it was the time of the Ten Commandments, there was basically two main concepts of the Sabbath. There was rest from your work, don't do stuff. And there was come together for religious uh, gatherings. So they had two main things that they did. They gathered and they rested. So then comes the New Testament. Now here in the Old Testament, how many work days were there? Six. So the seventh day is Saturday. That's the day, the Sabbath, the day of rest. Then Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. 
And so the Christians began celebrating that Jesus rose from the dead and they called that the Lord's Day. And so you had the Sabbath on Saturday and the Lord's Day on Sunday. And so because Jesus rose from the grave, we went from a one-day weekend to a two-day weekend. Isn't that pretty good? So how do you like Jesus now? You know, I mean, like, this is good stuff. So instead of working six days and having Saturday off, now it's a five-day week. We have Saturday off, the Sabbath, and Sunday, the Lord's Day. So it's part of our culture now. Uh, It's a worldwide thing. So there was the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. So does this commandment still stand? Let's read through Hebrews 4, 1 through 10. And of course, we want to find the why behind the what. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. So there can be the truth of God, but unless we put faith in it and start acting on it, it's not going to have an impact in our lives. Verse 3. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again in that passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. So here, this is a bit of a complicated passage in Hebrews, but there's a whole bunch of talking about Psalm 95. So you can read Psalm 95 to get a sense of what's going on in Hebrews 3 and 4. But basically, there's a coming together, a confluence of the Sabbath day and the promised land. So Joshua was bringing them into the promised land. And the Sabbath rest is also connected in with that. And the, the idea is that the rest is still available to us. And it's more than just a Sabbath rest in the sense of take a day off. It's also in this same concept of entering into the abundant life in Christ and the blessings of God, grabbing a hold of that life that is worth living and is abundant and is full and is good. So this still stands, but why should we do a Sabbath? I should mention again, let's not get legalistic about this. It's not what time you go to church or whether or not you do a certain thing on a certain day, what we need to do is find the principle behind this so that we can grab hold of the beautiful thing. So what's the beautiful God thing behind this Sabbath concept? I've got three main whys behind the Sabbath, so let's look at these. The first one is to keep us connected with God. 
We are to stay connected with God. Now, I've been a Christian for 30 years, and I've been a pastor for 18 years, and I've had ebbs and flows, highs and lows with my relationship with God. Have you noticed that you you get saved, you become a believer, you have wonderful experiences with God, and it's not just like, every day is better than the last. There's ups and downs. There's times where you feel like you're just walking side by side with the Lord. And there's times where you're dry and tired and it just doesn't seem to be working. Have you noticed that? It'd be much more fun if it just all got better every day. But I've noticed highs and lows, beautiful times and dry times. And one of the main things behind this Sabbath is let's set up a consistent routine of intentionally reconnecting with God. In the Sabbath concept, once a week, take a day and reconnect with God. In those dry times, oftentimes you might go months without intentionally trying to connect with God. Well, no wonder. No wonder it's a dry time. But if we have like a date night with our spouse, a time of intentionally trying to reconnect, then that's going to help maintain that relationship. And it's the same thing with God. If we have times set aside to intentionally reconnect with God, then we can stay connected and not fade away in that same sense. So let's go to John chapter 15 and look at an important teaching that Jesus has. John 15 Verse 1, he's talking about us staying connected with God. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit Unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. So here Jesus makes sure that we understand exactly what's going on. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. So we're the branches connected to the vine. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there are times where we're connected with God and we can feel that that nourishing from God, and it naturally flows into God things happening in our life. And then there are times where maybe we're not all that connected, and I've tried to serve God on my own. You know, like, thanks, Lord, for dying on the cross for me, now let me go do some stuff for you. It doesn't work very well. (laughs) It's a disastrous plan, because it's not abiding in the vine and drawing strength from the Lord. And this can be even worse in verse 6. Verse 6 says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, let's not do theology here, but that's bad, right? So we want to stay connected. We want to abide in the vine. And then verse 7 is good. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. So which is better? Thrown into the fire and burned, or ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Uh, Yeah, ask whatever you wish is way better, way, way better. 
Now, of course, if we're abiding in the vine, we're aligning ourselves with God. So we're not able to tell God what to do. That's not to ask whatever you wish, but it's we'll be in line with God's plan. We'll be praying his will and we'll be able to see God do the things he was intending to do in the first place because we're in line with him and we're able to participate in that. So it isn't that we get to manipulate God, but we get to be on board with God. And then verse eight says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So if we bear much fruit for the kingdom of God, if we are productive and effective and we get a lot done, who's glorified? This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. We're not glorifying ourselves. We're not trying to be the the best church ever. We're trying to bring glory to God. Honor the living God. If we can see God do great and mighty things in our lives, and as we come together, then it glorifies the Father. It shows Him to be strong and to be good. So we want to abide in the vine, stay connected with God, and an important part of why a Sabbath rest is so that we can have a predetermined, set-up schedule of reconnecting with God so we don't fade away. Reason number two, why number two for a Sabbath rest is because God wants you rested and healthy. God wants you rested and healthy. Why would God tell his people to rest if he didn't want them rested? God wants you rested and healthy. That was also the big deal about the kosher eating rules. You know, they had to eat certain ways. And that was basically because God wanted his people healthy. He didn't want them eating Swiss cake rolls for every meal of their day. You know, eat some food. Then you can be healthy. God wants you rested and healthy. Are we a rested culture? We're probably the least rested in the history of the world. Now people text in their sleep. Did you know that? This is like a thing. People text in their sleep. We're so connected and always on the edge of worrying about something happening that people will text in their sleep. God wants us to be rested and healthy. Abundant life in Christ involves regular times of rest. Now, of course, we're to have a good work ethic, good work ethic and regular times of rest. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 6 through 10 to get the work ethic part, and then we'll push the rest part again. So, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and who does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. That's the Bible. Good work ethic. Amen and rest. Now in the New Testament era, Sabbath and the Lord's Day, two days off. Work like mad five days. Take some time off. And again, that's not not to make a legalistic rule. You know what I mean? Like different people have different schedules and that's how that works. But the idea is we need to have regular set times of rest. It's so important to God. He made it one of the commandments. One of the 10 commandments was just take a day off, man. God wants his people 
well-rested, and healthy. So we must rest. We can do both, have a good work ethic, and have times of rest. First reason for a Sabbath is to have a regularly scheduled time of reconnecting with God. Not that you want to fade away during the week, but if you're fading during the week, you can get rescued when you give a day to the Lord. And then hopefully you can stay strong with the Lord and get stronger and stronger and stronger. We want to keep from fading away in our relationship with God. We want to be well rested. It's part of God's plan for abundant life. And then why number three is because God wants us to be strong together. Part of the Sabbath rest is coming together, having gatherings, coming together. And we can do things together that are impossible for us to do alone, for us to do separated. Now, can you worship God in powerful ways alone by yourself in the woods? Absolutely. It's one of the best ways I connect with God is to get out by myself. I like to even be where the phone service doesn't work. I like to get way out, spend some time with God. Can we support a children's home in Jamaica and change the lives of the next generation in Jamaica by ourselves in the woods? No. Can we support the inner city missions of the ICCM Life Center with Chris and Monica De Laurentiis by ourselves in the woods? No. There are things we need to come together in order to do. And the reality is, is God wants us strong together. And if we're all separated, running around here and there, and we don't come together, then we don't have that strength. And the picture that Jesus gives of the strength of the church is amazing. Matthew 16, 18. This is essentially the the birth moment of the church where Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter says, "You're, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And then this is the response that Jesus gives to Peter. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, the rock would be the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, not Peter the individual, but the truth that Jesus is Lord. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So church, it's not a building. It would be better translated congregation or my gathering. It's the people coming together. That is the church here. And what won't overcome it? The gates of hell themselves will not overcome the church. That means that when we come together under Christ as Lord and Savior, that we have the capacity to reach through the gates of hell, pluck people out of the fire, and bring them into everlasting life in Christ. That's a powerful church. But if we're all just separate, running around doing our own thing, no, that's going to happen. There's no children's home in Jamaica. There's no life center in Minneapolis. There's no evangelism. All that fades away if we don't come together. So God wants us strong together. And when you give your life to Christ to serve Him, you become part of something bigger than yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul talks about to the, to the church in Corinth, which was seeing division happening, he says, look, there's one body with many different parts. And you can read that whole chapter, but verses 12 and 27 of 1 Corinthians 12 kind of drive the point home. So 12, 12 says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So he's saying that the human body, there's all these muscles and bones and, and all this different stuff going on. There's all these different parts, but there's one body. So it is with Christ. So when I become a follower of Christ, I become 
I don't know what, a little piece of cuticle in the body of Christ? I mean, I'm something. You know, there's like over 2 billion Christians on the planet. I don't, I'm not an arm. You know, like I'm, I'm something. I'm a little piece of something. But if that piece is gone, then the body is weakened. You know, if your little finger is missing, typing gets more challenging. You can still go on, but it's just cumbersome. And then your ankle is sprained and it's a little more difficult. And then you can't see and it's a little more difficult. And, you know, and then your lungs don't work right and it's a little more difficult. And so as the body is disjointed and broken apart, then all these powerful things to prevail over the gates of hell, those things start to fall apart because we're not coming together strong. And then Hebrews 10.25, back to the book of Hebrews. Look what this says. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Have you noticed that at the end of services, I tell you to say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord? Yeah, there's reasons. There's biblical reasons for that. (laughs) We're supposed to do that. And one of the great, great, great tragedies of American Christianity, of Western Christianity, is simply this. Lonely people coming to church who leave lonely. That's not supposed to be how it works. If we come as spectators and treat others as spectators and then we just leave, we're missing the point of encouraging one another. How many people need a little encouragement? Need somebody at least to just know what's going on. Maybe there's not much they can do, but they can, they can pray for you and love you through it. We're not meant to walk through this life alone. And so as we gather together, we can be encouragement for one another and we can help each other and get stronger together and get through this thing because it's hard. We're to gather together so that we're strong together. So God has made provision for us to grab hold of these three whys. And to say it in another way is God has made provision to guide us into a sustainable life rhythm where we stay connected with him and we live a life of significance. That's our first why, staying connected with God. Our second why, being rested. And our third why of being strong together. This is the concept of the Sabbath, the why behind the Sabbath. So rather than the Sabbath being a religious hassle, we need to have a rhythm where we stay connected with God, where we stay rested, and where we stay strong together. Our closing scripture is going to be Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Jesus looks out at the people and his heart breaks. And I wonder what would happen if he looked out at the people of America today. What would happen? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus looked out and he saw these burdened people, these weary people. I mean, we're bone weary now, running and running and running and never quite getting there. And running. And when does it all end? And we can be weary and tired and way on the other side of burnt out. And that's not God's abundant life for you. God wants you rested. In order to 
grab hold of this promise where Jesus says that we can have rest for our souls. In order to grab hold of this promise, we have to rest. You can't just run and run and run and run and then claim the promise. You've got to live in obedience to a sustainable life rhythm with regular times of reconnecting with God and living a life where you grab hold of your significance in God's plan for you. Now, I want us each individually to seek out what this life would look like for us. Because you can come to church and not have a Sabbath. You can run, 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 run. You got another thing to check off the list. So you show up for church. And meanwhile, you're thinking about this, that, and the other thing. And you, and you just, it's just another thing that frazzles you even more. That's showing up for church, but not having a Sabbath. What we need to do is find a way to enter that rest, to live a life where there's refreshing, where there's peace, where, yeah, we work hard, and then we set it aside and grab hold of this beautiful thing that God has for us so that we can be rejuvenated and connected with God and have that Sabbath.